Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the world's greatest podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Howdy. Howdy indeed. And as you can tell, listeners, by a distinct lack of mouth breathing, Stan is not here this week. And Jim usually is on an elaborate trip to, again, in his words, the progressive city of Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. Or he's, he's doing something glamorous with an ex-United player or Donny Osman for whatever reason. But where is he today, Jim? Today, unfortunately, this is, he's just not come to face the music of um, Technological Boys in Blue. I've lifted that famous treble. I mean, yeah, he was scheduled to go to Saudi Arabia, but got turned away. He's got a bigger stars there now. Now he's he's kind of, um, he's done himself. The way he manoeuvred the Benzman move. Now he's not the biggest star in Saudi Arabia and Stan has been out- ousted. Um, but yeah, today not facing the music listeners. Yeah, Stan, old news in, again, his words, the progressive city of Jeddah. <laughs> <laughs> but Jim, someone, again, who City would like to hope in the near future isn't going to be old news because he has said that he's going to stick around for the next two years. So hopefully that happens from a City perspective. But what can you say about this? A, tr- a treble? What is this to be said as a fan? I've never experienced it. So I'll ask you, how does it feel? Yeah, a bit a bit mad, really. I mean, I don't really know what to say. But I mean, this, I, don't, I don't think you expect a treble, do you? I don't think this has been the season where you think they can win everything. There's been seasons in the past, and they were City, but absolutely unbeatable. And this year, up until about, what, end of January, February, they hadn't really got rolling. But when they got rolling, yeah, just an unbelievable run in the Premier League. Um got a good run in the FA Cup. You got we, we beat some big teams as well in the League Cup and the FA Cup. Um, you got to remember, I know Southampton was out of the league for the quadruple, which is quite funny. But I think we played Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal in like the early round of the um, domestic cup. So it wasn't like an easy ride. I've obviously had to be United at Old Trafford, which was uh, um, Wembley, sorry, which was brilliant. And then the Champions League final was the big one. The one it was the one that all of the fans had held. They've used it as a stick to beat City fans with and to um, criticise Guardiola's time at, at City. And to be fair, it's something that Pepper said before. And he said he's, if you don't win the Champions League in his career at City, he's been a failure. And he's done everything now. I mean, I'm sure next year they'll go for Cups. Like when you go in the Super Cup and um, the Club World Cup or whatever it is, like City have never been in that. So I'm sure they'll go to win them as well. But. Yeah, unbelievable, and it's, it's, it's fitting because I think this Guardiola side of the past five years, um, where they've had four titles, it's been one of the best runs in league history. Um, it's got to go down as now one of the best teams in club history this this country's ever seen, because it's, it's done one of the hardest things you can do. It's dominated in the league. It's now dominating Europe, and yeah, really, really, just really pleased for the players to be fair more than anything. Yeah, I like that, and I think that. Obviously, this team is one of a kind, really, like you said. It's it's being compared to the treble in 99 everywhere, and we're not going to get into that because I personally quite find I find that quite tedious, that whole thing, because obviously they're incomparable. The areas are completely different and obviously financial situations, etc. But I think that the real thing that can be said about this team is they are entertaining and they, they always from the outside looking and give City fans little heart attacks when the neutral is always adamant. Like, again, going back to the older pods that we've done, 
I was I was adamant that Arsenal weren't going to win that league because City hadn't put a run together. I remember I kept saying to that stuff, and I remember I think you said something. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you was like City haven't won. I think it was three or four in a row, or maybe five since I think it was October or September. And I was like, no way, City. But but then obviously that that was true. Yeah, I think it was until they beat Liverpool in the league in the Carnival month. It was in like January, February. That was the first time they put three wins together all season. And we was like 20-something games into the league, which is mad to think. And that's the part of the reason why I thought Arsenal were going to do it because, one, they were brilliant. And I know they probably would have slowed down. Like, I think everyone predicted them to slow down the business end, which they did. But I didn't think City would be able to put together, like I think it was something like 13 or 14 wins again in a row. And it's something they've done in each of the title wins over the past five years. It's always been that mad run. Um and yeah, just thinking about the team and how it's got to the top, it's just been a bit of a, been a, bit of a journey, to be fair, when, when you look at I don't think they play as good football as some of the old Guardiola sides. I don't think they play as good football as when we had Silver and De Bruyne behind Sterling, Sane and Aguero. We didn't score as many goals as that. We, I don't think we played as good football when we had the false nine and we just tend to dominate the ball completely. We had the full-backs coming in, but it was like Cancelo as a winger, for example. Um but this one is one that can win the big games. It's the one that can keep clean sheets in the big moments. It's got your four proper defenders at the back. And most importantly, you can't go about, you can't talk about this season without talking about Erling Haaland because the impact he's made. Yeah, he doesn't drop in and he might have nine touches in the game, but he constantly worries the defenders. And if they're not on the best game, he'll score three in the blink of an eye. It's just, it's direct and it's something that City haven't been. Um, even though they dominate with a different style of football, they've kind of gone to maybe an old English way of having proper defenders at the back and then having one big target man and he's just the main goal scorer. And we used to share our goals about, we used to have about five players and over 10. And <laughs> I don't even know what the stats are this season, but I reckon there's maybe Mares and I don't know, maybe Gundogan, maybe nearly touch 10, but I think. Then Harlan just had the rest. Maybe Alvarez is near ten as well. But yeah, I think it's a journey, and I think going to the parade and looking at all the celebrations makes me think of some of the old city players. And I wish some of them were playing in, in the teams. Do you know, when I think of like David Silvers and Aguero and company uh, players like Fernandinho. They weren't short though. They weren't short. I know. No, of course they, they, yeah, of course the they weren't short. They paved the way. Yeah, I know. That's what, what I think. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, they, they took they, the they, heat for the newbies. Yeah, and I think a lot of this champion. When you just look at the Champions League run that City had, it was a lot of right in the wrongs of how we've gone out in the past. When when you always think City are going to win it because you you can always be the best team in Europe, but you need a bit of luck and you need to turn up on the night. And in the Champions League, anyone can beat you. Listen, if we just was to analyze the final, I thought Inter Milan were very good. It was. I don't think. I think a lot of people would have been surprised by Inter Milan's performance, like me included. I think. A different day. I think Gundogan said it um, in his post-match presser. He said it was a 50-50 game. We took our chance and they didn't take those, which doesn't happen to see. There you go. Would you like that? It's a bit warm for a scarf, I think. Yeah, what about if I lose this t-shirt? <laughs> Fine. And the shorts. <laughs> but no, I agree, mate. I, I thought Inter probably... I, I said this to someone else. I thought Inter probably played as well as they could have, and City probably played as shit as they could have. And and that's kind of what happened, really, because Grealish said it, Haaland said it, that they actually played shit in the game. But that's just the standards they have. 
I thought that the game kind of played out how we thought it would attack versus defense. And I I always have a weird feeling that weird people score in Champions League finals. Like I could be wrong, but I, I was like, someone weird is gonna score it. And I did actually have a bet on John Stones because I thought, you know what, he's played class all the, like this. I'd probably say post World Cup. And I was like, this is the way he'll cap it off. But Rodri, again, a player who probably doesn't get the praise like Stones is now. But yeah, Rodri, fully deserved. Yeah, Rodri for two seasons. I don't think he's put a foot wrong. I think it's he might have had a bad half here and there. And when he does, it's really noticeable to City fans. It's like, to be fair, Rodri in that first half, I was poor. And he was like, what is Rodri doing? He's like misplacing passes. He's just not quick with it. Um, so, yeah, brilliant player of the last two years. I think for me personally, I know it's a game of opinions, but in that position, I don't think there's anyone better in world football at the minute. He's just, he's just brilliant. And John Stones, who you just touched on there, I don't think we want to talk about him because, yeah, definitely yeah. great. I know we've spoken about it on the podcast a few times, but how many centre-backs in world football have ever or could now play practically as like a false eight? He was, in moments... In the Champions League finals, he was playing in the eight position. He was running past the fullback. He was getting in the box. He was doing crosses. He was, he's a centre back. <laughs> you don't, I don't know how many players could have done that. Um, be playing his position, and that's just a testament to how good he is. Yeah, I said, I said it to you the other day. I was like, he, he is the best centre back in the world for me, and ironically, he's one of the the best defensive midfielders, depending on what you're liking in your DM. But I think, yeah, credit where it is due for Stones and. Before we move on to Jack Grealish, we'll, we'll talk about Haaland because we we did touch on it a little bit there. A lot of people are still clamouring for Messi to win the Ballon d'Or, but in my opinion, you can't not give it to Haaland. Look at the goals, look at what he's won. And I think a treble in England, including the best European trophy you can win, eclipses a World Cup and a league title in Liga. Yeah, well, he's broken the scoring record as well in England. Oh, there you go then. I mean, a record that's lasted what how many years since pretty much since the um, Premier League went from twenty-two teams to twenty teams. Um, yeah, you're completely right, but I mean, I don't want to send the conversation too much because I just think Messi winning the World Cup is kind of what the footballing world's been waiting for, and they don't really need loads of reasons to give Messi and Ronaldo Ballon d'Ors, do they? I mean, they've kind of shown that. I think it's Messi's. I don't. I'm not going to be bothered. I don't think. I don't think. I think the players will be bothered, but I don't think the fans will be too like. Ah, if Harlan didn't get it, but yeah, he's a great shout. And I don't think he could have done much more. Like you say he's won absolutely everything. Smashed the goal scoring record. What? How else would he have won the Bando? <laughs> I guess I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think it is a weird one, but. Like you said, football might decide for us, and I hope not because I think Haaland does deserve it. But I think at the, in the back of people's minds, they'll be like, ha- Haaland really is going to do this for a while. Him, him and Mbappe are really going to do this dance, and it's going to be like a diet version of Messi and Ronaldo, potentially, because Haaland obviously has started better than Ronaldo but in terms of goals. But I think that, yeah, he'd be really unlucky. Imagine saying to him, you're going to break all these records, win the treble, and you're not going to win the Ballon d'Or. You'd be like, what? <laughs> but yeah, mad. Yeah. And, and you can't take him for granted. I know it's expected, like, him and Mbappe have been relentless since they've come through. But you can't take Ivan for granted because it might, they might not do it next year. Something might happen, might get injured. They just might not be the same player, might get figured out. I mean, obviously they won't, but 
you can't take it for granted, basically. Like, Messi and Ronaldo are such different players to everyone else we've ever seen. They did it year on year on year and never stopped. I need to see it before I believe that another player will do what they did. So, yeah, I think he, he will think, if he doesn't win the Ballon d'Or, Haaland will think personally that it's, it's a bit of a waste opportunity. Like, nothing else he could have done, he'll probably feel a bit hard done by because he probably won't win the treble again. Uh-huh. He might not score 38, 37 league goals again because that's a ridiculous number. Silly numbers, lad. His, his bar is so high going forward now and we'll kind of segue into something that might affect his goals going forward and that's two players that potentially their futures lie elsewhere in Bernardo Silva at Paris Saint-Germain from what I've seen and then Ilkay Gundogan to Barcelona potentially. So, yeah, I think that personally, my, my opinion on it from a neutral, I think that you would be gutted to lose one of those players, let alone two. I think that what Bernardo Silva does again from a neutral is irreplaceable. I think that he's fantastic. And you talk about underrated. I, th- I think that that is him. And Gundogan recently has got his flowers, which is is great to see. But the problem is at this point, Jim, from from experience of this happening to me, players can win everything and then just decide like, oh, kind of done that now. Let's go and try something new. And you kind of like, how can you hate someone for just like wanting to do something new? Yeah, exactly. In Bernardo Silva's case, it's been if he if he is making the same kind of noise that he'd made the last two summers, he's wanted out of Manchester. It's not I don't think it's anything to do with the club, I think it's where he's living. I think a lot of it is down to the weather and ironically in the parade absolutely pissed it down. So I'm sure that hardly convinced him to stay if he was thinking about leaving. Um I think for him, obviously as a player I don't think for the money you're gonna get, you're gonna be, you're gonna do really fucking well to replace him because it's not just he's a brilliant player, he's a brilliant big game player as well. When the games are like tough, and I remember all the battles against Liverpool, he's the one who always stepped up in the Fernandinho because they absolutely embraced like a massive challenge, despite what players they kind of are like. He's like a nimble, amazing dribbler, um, really small. You wouldn't think he'd be the one putting in the tackles and. Yeah, he loves the big games, and I will say he'll definitely miss him if he does leave. But I think after him kind of wanting to leave for the last two seasons, um, he stayed at sea. I think it was two two years ago when they won the league. He was definitely off in my mind, and all the noise was he was definitely off, and he just didn't happen. And he stayed despite wanting to leave, and he was still probably City's best player that year, and he didn't moan once in the entire season. So you, you can't really begrudge it, so... I think he was to leave. If he got to lose as a player, but I think fair enough because he has stayed when City have said, "If you just don't pay the money, we're not going to sell you." And he's not kind of forced anything through. It's not downed his tools. We've seen a lot of players do that for for bigger clubs than City as well. So absolutely fair play to him. I think the Gundogan situation is one where we've offered him a contract not big enough for him, and I think he's proved in the past month or so definitely has. I don't know. I don't think. I think he's he's definitely proved that he's he's worth another two years, another three. And City very silly if that's the reason they let him go. I think if it's the reason that City don't want to offer him two years instead of one, I think it's very very silly to lose a leader and a captain like that. So hopefully, ideal situation. I think one of them will. I think one of them will leave. Ideal situation is going to stays and Bernardo gets the move that he wants. I think that, like you said there, I think that Gund- Gundogan's impact on your team, I think that 
it is vital. And the fact that he is the captain now, I think that that again epitomizes his role in the team. And I think, like I said before, it, losing one's bad enough. And if you can somehow keep the Saudi bastards away, because they're signing everybody at the minute, and they are bastards for nicking Kante off me, they can get fucked. So <laughs> I think Maris is off as well. So it's all the Leicester boys in the big link up. Oh fuck's sake. <laughs> And they've offered Maris um, a fat contract, apparently. And Stevie. <laughs> but yeah, speaking about complete opposite someone, someone that has never won a treble, and that is Gerard. Someone who's never won a Prem. So we'll 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 leave that there. But no, he has won the European Cup. So there you go, Liverpool fans. Go and sit on your thumb. I have been nice at the end to segue it back in. <laughs> so yeah, someone who I th- I think like, Man City there, obviously the treble, like you, you, it's only it's just such a mad thing. I never thought I would see a team so dominant in my lifetime. And in terms of like, they are just a machine going forward. And there was people who, again, people with zero ball knowledge, like Pep Guardiola, is he going to be able to do it in the prem? What do you mean? Is he going to be able to do it in the prem? It, it, it literally transcends what country you're in, that, that level of coaching. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, if if you go back to, I can remember it very well when Pep Guardiola first came. It was yeah, it was exactly like you say. I think when 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 Buddy said he didn't train tackles in training, and there was a lot of stuff, and it was like, oh, he's never going to be able to do it in this league, and like Stan Collymore having to go at him and stuff, and yeah, just some of the, even all the players, like it's just I think they do it for clicks, but I think when it's a foreign player coming over to England. They kind of don't. I feel like there's a part of them that don't want to succeed. Remember when De Bruyne came in and it was just labelled a flop straight away? It was like one of the greatest midfielders the Premier's ever seen. There was also, I don't know if you've seen it, Cook, it was like this is after the Champions League final. This is as recent as like this week. Um, Rory Jennings has had a great season in his predictions and punditry. The one who said that Haaland won't um, disrespect the establishment and he might not get 15 league goals. Um, has come out and said that because De Bruyne went off in the Champions League final, that he's not kind of him. And like, I think it was him. Adam McCall on their podcast was like saying he's just not a big game player. He kind of goes hard in the big games, like Kevin De Bruyne. Like these guys are people who watch football and talk about football for a living, and think Kevin De Bruyne, one of the best midfielders in Premier League history, and one of the best big game players I've seen at City, can't do it in the big ones because he got took off in two Champions League finals. One, absolutely smashes orbital bone by a rude guy. Nothing you can do. The second one, he'd been playing on like a dodgy hamstring for months and then it ruptured. <laughs> it, 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 so, yeah, it's madness. You can't really you can't really lose too much of your time, like even debating or waste, yeah, like say, wasting your time, giving them the time of day, people who say these things. Like, I totally agree. And like you said, Rory Jennings, my only interaction with Rory Jennings was I bought a Sunderland <laughs> away ticket off him on Twitter and, and we went and we lost 3-1 and uh, Wahabi Kazi. I remember that day. Against us. And then I come and met you in Manchester. You did. So, you and Rory in a link up. Yeah, on a, on a link up, but um, <laughs> can confirm, listeners, certified gimp. I just think his opinions are poor and again for someone who has watched Chelsea for as long as he has his opinions are shite so take take everything he says with a pinch of salt but yeah they're doing it for views aren't they let's face it yeah they are 
But I guess so as someone who's definitely not doing something for views, Jim, we'll go we'll go into it now. Jack Grealish. He's he's having the time <laughs> of his life. I, I I have seen that he showed up at the England camp with the rest of the boys. But me and you was on about it again, like, what are they doing? Just give the city boys the time off. Let them enjoy it. Oh, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's the football, the constant like churning out of football. It's Nations League semi finals, apparently. Malta. It's like tonight, isn't it? Isn't it like Netherlands? Germany, Croatia. No? I've done. Well, honestly, Germany drew three three with Ukraine the other day. It's really yeah, really cool. When you've had a World Cup in the middle of the season as well, to have like another international tournament a week after the football season has finished, it's ridiculous. I've seen Burnley go back in pre-season the other day. Oh, <laughs> he's a fucking drill sergeant. <laughs> well, like, does he not? Yeah, obviously, they get some mega money, and then obviously none of them are complaining. But what me, no time off for them boys. Um, and yeah, just to go back to your initial question, I mean, you're absolutely right. When England are playing Malta, and pff, I don't even know they're fucking playing Whittle or B team or whatever it is, do you need to bring the city lads who have just literally their season has only finished on Saturday? I don't know the rest of them finished two weeks ago because they might not play in the FA Cup final, but. Grilo's just been on a four-day bender, lad, to my um, beef. I don't think he's had about... I think he's had about eight hours sleep in five days. And what, you want to be in the squad tomorrow against Malta? Like, what's the point? He's obviously not going to play. So why, why is he there? Lad, it's pathetic, and it? it? It genuinely is pathetic. If I'm the England manager there, I'm like, lads, you've earned it. You, you have literally played the most football out of everyone here. You've earned it. At the highest level. Like, finals, basically up until the end of the season. Those league games are finals for him towards the end of the year. But, yeah, mad really. And we'll go into, obviously, again, we spoke about it in, in, in a group, really, and on the pod, that in England, winning anything is hard. Literally, winning anything, you've got to give credit in England because of how difficult it actually is. But I think Pep, again, credit where it's due, trying not to really devalue him and, and really take him for granted, really, because I think that, Personally, again, from a neutral and from a football fan, I've always been Jose over Pep in terms of who I like more. However, Pep has always played the nicer, prettier football and the more effective football at times in terms of longevity and where he's been. But I think that the guy, again, is a genius and and he's on that level where he's like, oh, he's just obsessed, isn't he? And I feel like you do have to be to be successful at this level. And yeah, credit where it's due and... The, the question that a lot of people have been debating at the minute is, has Pep now, with winning this treble, equaled or eclipsed what Sir Alex has done? I think it's a very uncomfortable conversation for, um, especially the red part of Manchester. Um, and listen, I, don't, I think there's a lot of people who will just instantly dismiss that question. Um, what? And that's fair and that's understandable because... Us, especially our age range is like pretty much perfect. Um, even those a bit older and a bit younger. All we've known is Fergie winning league titles. Um, won absolutely anything with United, didn't he? I mean, you, you can't knock you, you can't knock him. If you put putting managers in history in the tier list, he's in the top one, whatever you're calling it. Um, but I think Pep's in the same tier list. I really do. I think the way he's changed football. I think. Yeah, yeah, you, you, he has weird criticisms like he hasn't done it at a club where he hasn't built a club up from the bottom. But I mean, why, why would he when 
the best clubs get the best managers. It, it's just a fact. He, you, he's been the, he's been at the very top since he's been in management. He's not had. It's not his fault, really. Basically, he was not manager of Barcelona. Yeah, not everything's a football manager save. It's not everything's a rags to riches save. It's not. And like you said, like you said, I think that that's. I think it's a shit argument. I really do. I think that it was with Mourinho for a bit as well. That that kind of same stigma, and then obviously. He went and won that at Roma, and people are saying that oh, he has he has still got it because he's a fuck all there really. But I know what you mean with that. But yeah, lazy argument for me that Jim. Yeah, I mean it's just it's just basically trying to find the one thing he's not done, and I mean it's there's so very little that he's not done, and that's just, that's kind of a testament to how good he is because definitely yeah, could he not? Could, yeah, could he not do it? It's easier to manage worse clubs than it is to manage City. Even though people think, oh yes, they've got this infinite amount of money, which they have. I guarantee you, when Pep leaves, will City fans won't because we already appreciate him as much as you possibly can, manager. But the neutrals are a bit questionable about him. Questionable about him. Will appreciate Pep more when it leaves because he'll be like, he'll watch a manager come into City, struggle his absolute bollocks off, and he'll be like, fucking hell, he made this look well easy, didn't he, Pep? And he's been at the very top for. Nine or fifteen years, he's won absolutely everything. He's done two trebles now, domestically in leagues. He's absolutely dominant. I think the worst he finished is third, and the rest are just first and second. He, and he adapts as well. I think the thing about him and Fergie, I will compare them both in a in a good way. Yeah, do it. they're both brilliant at adapting. Um, Fergie to win it thirteen times is ridiculous. To, to keep. That man management is ridiculous alone, but to keep your squad fresh, keep your players happy, and of course he's not going to keep everyone happy, like Roy Keane. <laughs> but he's going to change. Like United play certain style of football one year, two years later they're still in the league. They'll play a different style of football. It'll be Rooney the main man this time, the man person the main man that time, but Van Nistelrooy right before that. It's different football. It's the exact same as Pep. Uh, look at the way City have won the league in the in the, in the seasons they've won what. Is it five since he's come here? Um, all very different seasons. This this one, this one to the last one, especially very different. When you look at City playing with false nine, about eighty percent possession football, inverted wingers as fullbacks, like, and then this season you got four centre backs, got big man Howland up there, and you're thinking can't he adapt? And in the first season he win a treble. So yeah, but that, I think that's what separates them from the rest of the brilliant managers is the way that they can adapt. Yeah, I, th- I think that again, again, I just think that Pep, any any doubters really have gone now with the Champions League, and now the thing is, it's all about maintaining that standard really going forward for obviously that team, and we've already alluded to the pieces that you've said that City need to keep really, ideally both of them, but if if one has to go, Bernardo really because he has kind of been saying that he has wanted to leave Manchester for a bit, but I think that if you are going to leave, it's a good way to go. I really do, and I think that City will only they'll only get better because every year I feel like they improve somewhere. And I know they just dropped fifty. What I think it was fifty on Calvin Phillips. He's barely done anything, and and there's talk literally before the final. Like, is he going to rest Rodri again? Like, what? Like, is he is he really? But again, I think he t- takes maybe some unfair criticism for that because there's been plenty of times that year where he played without a DM. But anyway, I don't. Yeah. I think I think what we've got to learn now, and as we've heard, I've not learned this, even as a City fan who's watched it week in, week out. Don't question him. He does some stupid things, Pep. Well, stupid on the face of it, 
But then afterwards, it's always a brilliant move. It's like, even this season, when City were struggling and we loan out Cancelo because he's not happy and then we don't have a left-back, we literally don't have a recognised left-back for the entire season and City are already struggling and he's made his massive turnaround. And since Cancelo's left and Ake got in left-back, City have been twice the team and it's just like, how? Like, not... How many managers would have done that when you don't have a left back? Just get rid of one on like the five. I think it was like the deadline day as well, wasn't it? That he left. So there's no time to replace him. Getting rid of the back. Set... Yeah, and they just put a centre back there. He's done loads of things, what do you think? I don't know about this. Like, why has he got rid of him and brought him in? And then after a few games, you're like, oh, that's why he's done it. <laughs> he's brilliant. Even this, like, we lost Sterling and Hazouf this year, who have been brilliant for City, I think, all the time. And I thought they'd both be a massive miss. And City just improved. It's just like, I think he'll do something next year. I think the thing I'm looking at is, I think they'll get a right winger in. I think Mares is the only right winger City you've got naturally. He's getting on a little bit. He doesn't play every week. He tends to play, he tends to not play the big games. Um, that's why Bernardo Silva's been in the back end of the season. I also think Phil Foden's going to play in the De Bruyne position and I think he's going to replace him a little bit. But when you look at the injuries De Bruyne's had over the past few years, there's always a time in the season where he's been injured. Absolutely amazing player, and I don't think you can replace him, but he's going to be on the wrong side of 30 next year. Um, his hamstring is just ruptured. That's not a great start to, to the next year. And there's a lot of talk about Phil Foden playing in the middle, and we've seen, what he, we've seen him on the Champions League final and some of the turns he had and some of the touches. I think that could be... I mean, we've not seen much of Foden this year, but I think next year we're going to be reminded how brilliant he is. And I think City are going to sign some new right-winger. And I literally couldn't tell you who it is because at this point, the signing players that I've never watched. They've signed Alvarez and Akanji this year and they both have been magnificent. And the only time I've ever watched Akanji play is in them World Cup days where you're watching Switzerland versus like Sweden because you watch every World Cup game. That's the only time I've ever watched him. <laughs> Right, listeners, welcome back to everyone's favourite part of the pod. It is 11 a bullying. If you're a regular round here, you'll know we like to keep things topical around here and talk about started from the bottom, eh, with this Man City arse licking fest with me and Jim today. So, all the United. Yeah, fans. apologies. It has been very city central. There's been no football, Jim, and we have praised in. Yeah, yeah, we could talk about Djokovic, maybe. <laughs> well, to. There's been two Serbian goats recently winning championships. I'll just yeah. say that. As well, tune into our next pod for that one. <laughs> but yes, like I said, we like to keep things topical round here. And of course, elevenable. Jim, the topic this week, it was the last time that City weren't in the upper echelon of European football. It was the Europa League. And it was when you played sport in Lisbon in 2012. Europa League second leg, round of 16 at the Etihad. It was a 4-4-2 formation. Let's have it. Gosh, here we go. All right, okay. We'll go for... This is, this is my... This is this is going to be so embarrassing, listeners, because this is my favourite City teams, pretty much. Was you at this game? But what score was it? Aggregate 3-3, it finished. They won on away we goal. Got... I feel like I might have been, actually. Was this the one where a certain GK ran up and had a last-minute header? No, no, no. That was um, a year before. That was, that was when we, we only got in the Champions League for like fair play. Champions League, Europa League for like fair play that year. Oh, 
Uh, oh. that, was, that, was, that was like Hamburg or, yeah, Hamburg or Hanover. One of the H's, one of the German teams. Anyway, yeah, I'm going to go with the certain GK. He surely he was in the sticks. Do you know it was him. Head and shoulders above the rest. <laughs> Legend. Um, I'll go with Big Vinny Company. He'd have been there. He wasn't in this team. He wasn't in the team. He would have been in the squad. But he wasn't in the team. That's probably that went out. You know what? He weren't in the squad. Must have been injured. Must have been. All right. Okay. That's interesting. We'll go for uh, 2012, do you say? Yeah. 15th of March. <laughs> we might have only been in this because we got knocked out of the Champions League. Mm. We'd been in the Champions League at this point. Possibly. When we kind of bottled the groups against good teams. <laughs> um, okay. We'll go Aguero. Yeah. He scored twice. Still wasn't enough. <laughs> Still um, <laughs> and we'll go... Well, was he? Some class players might have been off playing... Golf, so we go Jekko. He was on the bench. Oh. Okay, we'll go Balotelli. Yeah, he scored a pen. Um, okay, we'll go with Yaya Torre. Yeah, was in centre mid. We'll go Nasri. He was on the bench, came on. Oh, nice. We'll go with David Silva. Played right mid. Or left, maybe on the left. We'll go... This is going to be a Dutch one. We've got Adam Johnson. Yeah, Prison FC's finest, Adam Johnson. <laughs> we'll go... Ooh, that's good. Just flip a coin in between De Jong and Barry. All right, we'll go De Jong. Nope. All right, we'll go Barry. Nope. Oh. De Jong came on. De Jong came on at halftime. No Milnery. Okay. Sub. Unused sub. Who would have played centre midfield? There's some class dosser who's next to Torre. I'd go around. Oh, it. no way. It's something like Vieira. No. Even more obscure. Played five obscure. games. Obscure. Five games. Silvino. No. From South America, though. Chile. Oh, David Pizarro. It was David Pizarro. What a player. He's a good player. Oh, I liked him. I liked him. Um, <laughs> <Didn't do enough. laughs> um, I think Zabaleta would have got this starting spot by now. No, not in the squad. Oh, Richards then? Yeah. All right, Rare. All right, Rare. Uh, Kolarov? Left back, yeah. Uh, I've not got a centre back, have you yet? You're missing two centre backs, and that's it. Yeah, two centre backs. Uh, Lescott? Nope. Oh. Um, who's at sea? Was Stefan Savage at sea? Yeah, he was there. And then the next one is currently an unemployed manager. Skipper. Unemployed. He was what, sorry? He skippered you for the day. An unemployed manager. Oh, Recently sacked by a Northwest club that have been taken over <laughs> today. They've been taken over today? Yeah. Blue eyed on me. Oh, no, you're on about... Oh, Colo Torre. Colo Torre. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I forgot he managed Wigan. That was short-lived, wasn't it? It was indeed. I think it was eight games. But, yeah, they, they have been taken over today by a local billionaire. I mean, they need it. Fucking hell. Okay, so just to recap, City's two banks of four and then two up top. Good times, Jim. Good times. 
you, I mean, you did get knocked out, but like you said, one of your favourite ever City teams. So, yeah, just yeah. to run through it, Joe Hart in that, Mika Richards and Alexander Kolarov, full-backs, Savic and Kolo Torre, you skippered him for the day. Dosser in there, David Pizarro, who did only three five times for Man City, with Yaya Torre, who's definitely not a Dosser. Uh, he who should not be named, but I will name him anyway. Adam Johnson, <laughs> the Dark Lord, is out wide on the right. David Silva was on the left. Balotelli was up front with Sergio Aguero. Welcome back, listeners. Unfortunately, it is that time of the episode where we do have to love you and leave you. But if you stick around, we'll tell you where you can find us when we're not making podcasts. So you can follow us on Instagram by using the handle Cookie Podcast Network. Click on our link tree in our bio. You see our various social media platforms, TikTok, YouTube Shorts, etc., etc. If you don't have that, you can follow us on Twitter by using the handle that's Cookie Pod Net for our Twitter handle. It's been episode 183 of the pod, and that's the way the cookie crumbles.